You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to be joined by former Chiefs wide receiver Eddie Kennison and Nick Ferguson, the former NFL safety. And Brian, we're going to kick off the podcast today with former Saints quarterback now with WWL in New Orleans, Mr. Bayou himself, Bobby Bear. Bobby, thanks for taking the time. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Um, hopefully this cold weather will go away next week. To be in South Louisiana, this is way too cold for us. It's very cold. How you doing, bro? Good to hear from you. I remember the last time we talked, I think the Saints was playing against Miami. Correct me if I'm wrong. And you asked a question after they were on this losing streak. You said, Cordell, can they get it done? And I said, well, you know, it, it depends on how many breaks we can have, right? Everybody laughed. You induced. And guess what? They went on like a four or five game winning streak. You know, I'll say I was wrong and you were right. So go ahead on and start bragging right now if you like, because right now the Saints is playing some of the best football, particularly on defense and also in a different way. They're doing it with the running game with Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara. Well, the, the thing is, uh, I think it's wide open, to be truly honest, Cordell. I think the Falcons can go to Los Angeles and win. And the reason why I bring that up, you look at the top three seeds in the NFC, uh, they're playing quarterbacks that have previously struggled uh, for Jeff Fisher. So, so think about that, who they counting on. <laughs> with the Jerry Goff and then how hard that is to, to get your career started in the NFL and to be outstanding uh, as a rookie. Then you look at Case Keenum. Uh, he was part of that Ramsey, then Nick Foles. So that's why, to me, it's wide open. You look at Cam Newton was an MVP. Matt Ryan was an MVP. Drew Brees, a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's a Super Bowl winner. So it would be interesting to see what's going to happen because uh, when you look on the back end, uh, I mean, I, I, I could see a scenario – and now, now wouldn't this, this is like a movie, wouldn't this be crazy, Cordell, if this would happen? The Saints beat the Panthers. The Falcons beat the Rams. Now, all of a sudden, I, I like the Falcons' chance going up to Philadelphia. Now, I think it would be an upset if the Saints would beat Minnesota Minnesota. But guess what? Then the NFC Championship would be in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome to go to the Super Bowl. Oh, my God. No, oh, the thing would be crazy, Bobby. It would be, it would, it would be <laughs> it pandemonium, would be, bro. It would be like a, like a movie, and you can tell Saints fans today, if that would ever occur, they would say, well, I don't even want to go that far if we lose to the Falcons in Orleans for them to go to Minneapolis in the Super Bowl. Crazy. The world would come unglued. Bobby Bear is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Bobby, let's go back to prior to the start of the regular season, covering the Saints and training camp and the preseason. How long did it take to get a sense Alvin Kamara could be a special running back in his rookie season? Well, uh, I knew that Sean Payton uh, was going to know how to utilize him. And what I mean by that, uh, he kind of put the blueprint out there. And, you know, copycat lead, how you utilize uh, running backs. You look at the Panthers going to get Christian McCaffrey. You look at a one-two punch uh, with Coleman and the Falcons. But really, it all started back in 06 when uh, they got Reggie Bush. And then it was Reggie Bush plus when they added Darren Sproles. And then so then you got the trifecta and now an Alvin Kamara. So the one thing you're going to see uh, with Drew, and right now they are hurting 
at the tight end position. They're not uh, exploiting defenses. You know, you look back when they had Jeremy Shockey, uh, they had Jimmy Graham, and even Benjamin Watson. Well, that's something that's hindering Drew uh, right now. Uh, but I say he's hindering, but then you look at the Saints offense, it's ridiculous. Do you know since 2006 that 50% of the time in a dozen seasons they finished number one, and they've either been number one or number two nine out of 12 seasons? So you say you get kind of spoiled as a Saints fan because, you know, oh, Drew had an off year uh, when he threw for over 4,300 yards. He's the most accurate quarterback. He breaks his own records for accuracy. And then the point being is that where the Saints are at right now and how Drew's still going to spread it around, how they utilize the backs in the passing game, you see it 8, 9, 10, 11 different receivers. Now it's more 6 to 8. But even though you have Michael Thomas, you're still going to see, uh, let's say, out of the top four receivers, uh, as far as receptions in the game, uh, the two of them are going to be the running back, both Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara. Bobby, when you look at you know how quietly this team has been able to produce, and I say quietly because you know sometimes you have a tendency to compartmentalize what you choose to see as far as how this offense is actually producing. They're doing it differently. It's not Drew Brees by himself. It's the running game. But on the defensive side of the football, Cameron Jordan has truly been playing good football all year. He's got an opportunity to be selected to first team as a first-team All-Pro. Uh, he has 13 sacks, which is m- most that he's had throughout his entire career. Give me your take on how impactful he's been when it comes down to the push with the front four of that defense. Listen, Cam Jordan uh, is a flat-out stud. I mean, there's no way else you could describe it. I don't think he gets enough perspective. Cam Jordan was playing in New York or L.A., or if he was with the, the Dallas Cowgirls, he gets so much recognition, it would be ridiculous. <laughs> I heard but that. But when I look at Cowgirls, I heard that. I heard that. I always always think that's a great day for Saints fans. Uh, when uh, If the Saints can't win, at least Dallas loses. So, But, but that's another topic. But looking at Cam Jordan, you, you know what's amazing between him and Drew Brees is their reliability. They never hurt. Right. Look at the consecutive games. Cam Jordan plays every snap, and he doesn't miss a game. Coach Payton said he's really a freak of nature. Whether it's the, uh, the sixth snap of the game, whether it's the 48th snap or the 60th snap, the motor's still going. He plays at an intensity, game in and game out. And so, to, first of all, to be accountable, you have to be uh, reliable, and, and, and he's, he's always there. Now, uh, if you look at it, I'm a big fan of pro football focus, and uh, – because I like analytics and how you break things down. And they uh, this year, if you look, can you be not just a specialist, like rush the pass or how you play against the run? I'm telling you, first, second, third down, Cam Jordan, is, is, is he's in the conversation to be the best. If you look at the overall grade, I think only Von Miller, if I can recall this from Pro Football Focus this season, has a better grade than uh, Cam Jordan. So I take the approach how can Cam Jordan uh, not be not just a pro bowler, but all pro. But he, he is truly at that level. Now, uh, you know, he can't use it, he, uh, injuries as an excuse, but I think he was even better when Alex Okafor, who they got from the Cardinals, was playing opposite defensive end, and he's out for the season. And then also they lost their quarterback in the defense. And Matt Titeo has been playing good. I think he could get exploited in pass coverage. But when you look at A.J. Klein, with him being out now for the year, that would have been like almost uh, when they had a playoff run or a two-a-bowl run not having Jonathan Zelma in the middle. 
because he truly so even though they're piecemeal and putting things together on the defense and we always said the Saints are always going to have a top five offense. Can the defense get to the middle of the pack? Well, right now they are at middle of the pack. But another area I was just thinking about this is that the Saints' offensive line has been outstanding, and they haven't really played two or three games in a row. They've had injuries, uh, and I truly believe this, and I don't think this is just home cooking. If you talk about their starters, if they could have Teron Armstead at left tackle and they have Andrew Speed at a left guard, Max Unger, who I, I think is one of the top centers, and we got the bad end of that deal with uh, Jimmy Graham from the Seahawks. Max Unger, and then you got Larry Wolford, who they got from the Lions, the agency, a right guard, and Ryan Ramchick, the, the rookie from Wisconsin, right tackle. The Saints have a top two, three offensive line in the league, simply because how they could pass block and run block. I mean, you look, Drew Brees has always been the least sack quarterback uh, the last 12 years. I want to say this year he's like second. He's like been sacked 20 times, but it's amazing. Uh, and then on the plus side, in the turnover margin, plus seven, it could be uh, a magical season. I still don't know if I uh, trust the defense. Uh, the, the one thing they've not been able to uh, really uh, stop the run as far as average, you know, giving up like four and a half yards uh, run. And, you know, Carolina is going to try and run the ball on the Coach Rivera and play style defense. So that's going to be interesting how that's going to unfold. But you look at Carolina, how they were able to play against the run. To me, this is the two most impressive games this year the Saints played is how they whooped Carolina. And Carolina got some studs on defense, but they, the Saints in week three ran for 149 yards. In week 13, they ran for 148. And you're going to do that against the third-best rushing defense, where they will only give it up 88 yards a game. So, you know, you look at all the numbers and all – the Saints are better than Carolina. And you might say, well, it's hard to beat a team three times in one year. Well, if you look back since 1970, they've had 20 games that uh, to beat a team three times in one year, and it's been done 13 out of 20. So that's more than half. So when teams say, oh, yeah, you're here, oh, but it's hard to beat a team three times in one year. Well, no, uh, 13 out of the last 20 games when you had a chance to beat a team three times since 1970. It has occurred, I want to say, it was like 2007 was the last time that, uh, I want to say, Dallas beat uh, the New York Giants twice in uh, in the season, and they lost to the Giants in the playoffs in his uh, divisional round. Bobby, always a distinct pleasure to talk Saint football with you. Enjoy the game Sunday. Hope to see you in person at the Super Bowl in Minnesota. All right. Uh, yeah, we well, go through those walkways. It doesn't matter how cold it is, right? Because, you know, who wants to hang out in the cold for the Super Bowl? But we'll have a good time. We're not going outside, Bobby. You. We'll see you inside. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, just a party during the week. So, yeah. So, so, so hope to see you and Cordell, uh, you know, the, up there, and uh, y'all have a good time. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. It's a new year, and time for you to explore new podcasts on TuneIn. Bring in 2018 with exciting new podcast episodes for the whole family like Story Pirates, This Podcast Has Fleas, Tumble Science for Kids, The Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian, and so many more. Start your new year with these podcasts and more. Just search podcasts on TuneIn today. 
Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, Cordell and I tell you what we are more than sure is going to happen during Wild Card Weekend. It takes a unique ability to navigate the topsy-turvy National Football League. Drop down, get your eagle on on this one. A special vision to find clarity in an always changing sport. I was wrong. Brian and Cordell aren't just sure about their perspectives. They are more than sure. I'm more than sure. We have three minutes to pick four postseason games. Here's the question. Will we pick one upset winner? We start tomorrow, Saturday, 435 Eastern Time. Titans on the road in Kansas City. No DeMarco Murray, no Titan victory. I'm taking the Chiefs at home. How about you? Oh, man. I'm taking the Chiefs at home. God dang it. I, I mean, it's just, I. we don't know which, which Alex Smith is going to show up, regardless if they're at home, but... You know, it's a wild card week, so I'll, I'll go with the Chiefs. I give the Chiefs a chance. Could be bad news for Mike Malarkey. A lot of speculation about his coaching future. Then at primetime Saturday night, it's the Rams playing their first playoff game in the city of Los Angeles since 1979 against the Falcons. A year removed from going to the Super Bowl. I have doubts about the Rams, but I'm going to take them at home. How about you? I am going with the Rams as well. Firepower by the Falcons. I'm going with the Rams, yes. Okay. I say that with no no excitement at all. I can all. tell. Yeah. All right, ahead. let's get a little revved up for the final two minutes I'm of the trying. program. I, I have no energy because it's hard to pick these, but go ahead. I got you. We're going to Sunday now. Call it the Doug Marone Bowl. Former head coach of the Bills, now guiding the Jacksonville Jaguars. Shady McCoy going to try to play with the ankle injury. I don't think it's going to matter. Even if Blake Bortles has one interception, so long as he doesn't give it away three times, Jacksonville's defense is too stout. I'm taking the Jags at home. How about you? I'm going with the Jags as well. Yes, I am. I like. Here's the problem I have with the Jags: is Blake Bortles. Which guy is going to show up? How many interceptions is he going to throw in this game? Because Coach Frazier's defense has been arguably one of the better teams in the first half of the season. They fall falling apart on the bottom end. But there have, there's a defense that has potential to be able to go on the road and play some good football. Plus, the quarterback and Tyrod Taylor doesn't turn it over. Still going with the Jags. One minute left for comprehensive thoughts on part three of the trilogy. Saints hosting the Panthers. Carolina giving up over 30 points the first two times they matched up with the Saints. That trend is going to continue. Got to make it official because I now have the Saints going to Minnesota representing the NFC. They're going all the way to the Super Bowl. I got the Saints winning at home. How about you? Very tough to beat a team three times in a row. I think the Carolina Panthers are looking for a moment of payback, and I think this is the time that they actually don't get it done. They have to wait till next season. I'm going with the Who That Nation in the New Orleans Saints. Nice swerve there. I thought for a second you were going to go against the grain. So we're officially boring. We're taking all four favorites this weekend. Well, not necessarily boring. I just think if you watch the trend of how teams play in the wild card games, majority of times that wild card game is the game that's won by the home team. Majority of the time. Uh, so I, you know, I think all the teams we pick were the better teams in the AFC and the NFC. So I, I think we're, I think we're okay. I think we're safe. We could be wrong. 
No, we're never wrong. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Catch all new episodes of some of your favorite podcasts early with TuneIn First Play. You can listen to new episodes from some of your favorite shows, like Haunted Places by Parcast. Every episode, I take you to the scariest haunted places on Earth. Hollywood and Crime by Wondering. We also tested the purse for fingerprints. Nothing viable there either. And Uncivil by Gimlet before they're available anywhere else. Where we ransack America's past and discover that history is only kind to those who write it. Search First Play Podcast and listen early. Listen often. Listen today. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Next on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, let's take you around the league with Nick Ferguson, the former NFL safety. Nick, let's start with this long, detailed report, ESPN the magazine, with their allegations of friction within the Patriot organization. You played in the AFC East, matched up against New England twice a year. Could you envision a scenario in which Bill Belichick actually coaches anywhere else but New England to close out his career? No, not, not, not at all. I really couldn't see that. And here's the part that drives me crazy with the situation that we're hearing about with the Patriots. It becomes a story because it's the New England Patriots. They've been in the media, especially over the past couple of years. One, because they, they win all the time and they have five rings. Also, we had the issue with the deflate gate situation of Tom Brady that extended over two, two summers. So to me, a lot of it, I look at it as being here, our individuals looking in, from the outside trying to find a way to kind of uh, uh, break this team up. And the one thing you have to understand about the New England Patriots, we always hear about the Patriots' way, and we always try to figure out, well, what, what does that really mean? That means when you come, no matter where you came from, you come and you conform to what's going on. And it's been well documented that Bill runs a tight ship. When you come in, all social media stops. Interviews, you don't leak any situation that's happening or, or, or disruptions in a locker room. You don't talk about it. In the media, that's why it's always tight, tight lip, and he's famous for you know moving on to Cincinnati. You know, so to me, I am not shocked about the situation, but also, and Cordell can definitely speak to this, and we all can. We have members in our family who you know they are family members, and we socialize with them because they are family members, but we don't always get along. So to say that anyone is expecting that Camelot, and that's what I'm calling the Patriots, Camelot, that everyone's always going to get along, that's a fallacy. It doesn't happen in NFL locker rooms. You work with guys because you're trying to win games. You're trying to win championships. I don't have to like you. We don't have to go together with a, a date, double dates or dinner parties. That's not going to happen. So to me, yes, Tom and Bill have had their disagreements. Absolutely. Especially when a coach continues to call you out every year in front of everyone. I've seen this movie before. It played out several, several years when I played with the New York Jets and Bill Parcells, who Bill Belichick coached under, was there. It was kind of the same type of philosophy. So to me, everyone's worrying about making a big deal out of nothing. Well, I, 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 how can I say this to you, Nick? Because I, I think there's a level of validity there when you – when you break down Bill Belichick, obviously being the one that's been making a lot of decisions there in New England, okay? So now you have Mr. Kraft who says, we got to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo. You have Tom Brady who's saying he wants to be here until he's 45. So now Tom Brady has basically claimed his spot. And so now since you get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo, knowing that if something happens with Jacoby Brissett being gone, something happens to Tom Brady, where do we go? And then Alex Guerrero gets ran out of town 
For what reason? I think it's every bit of the reason. It's almost like you you hit me, I'm going to hit you back because they got rid of Jimmy Garoppolo. I think that's when we saw Bill Belichick come in to say Alex Guerrero has to leave because now you have me stuck with nothing but with Tom Brady, who we know is not any young, is no younger than what he was obviously last year. He's getting older. And what do I do moving forward? Now my hands are tied. What do you want me to do? So I think that's why the back and forth, and I think there is some validity to everything that's taking place there in New England, which we normally don't hear because they keep everything so hush-hush. But I think that's why there's some validity there. Well, well Cordell, there, there is a, a little uh, validity to that. You know, when you have run a tight ship and you make all the decisions and coaches and players, they know when they come in, this is what you're going to make. This is what we expect out of you. This is how many hours you're going to have to work. That's part of being the Patriots way. So we know there is some validity there. But a large part of it is, you know, talking about Tom Brady and the TB12 and his trainer having access to so many different players. You know this as well as I know. You know, a lot of players for years, they never felt as though uh, the medical staff was always on their side. They always felt as though it was kind of an us-against-them type of mentality because it's always the organization first, the players second. So with that in mind and the introduction of the TB12, there was a lot of players who looked up to Tom and they had an opportunity to actually maybe do rehab, train at this facility, and you know every organization, they have a medical staff in place to treat players because they want to know first. But a lot of players, and we talked about it when I, when I filled in for you, look at, look at Andrew Luck going overseas to get treatment because, well, did he trust the guys in Indy to really take care of him? So to me, I think that was something else that kind of drove a wedge in that relationship, Bill being you know, really close to the organization, being team, team first, not individually based, and that is something that has caused a rift in that, in that relationship. But understand this, all three men, all three men, Robert Kraft, Bill Belichick, and Tom Brady, they know what's at stake. And it's about the brass ring, and they're trying to go get another Super Bowl. Taking around the league with Nick Ferguson, the former NFL safety. Nick, what do you make of the monster contract John Gruden set to receive as he's officially introduced on Tuesday as the new head coach of the Raiders, according to reports? Ten years, $100 million. Good for Gruden. No need for a bake sale. But do you have any degree of skepticism he can duplicate the magic he had the first time when he was on the sideline in the San Francisco Bay Area? Well, the one thing that's working for him, B-Webb, is that he has uh, a young quarterback to groom, and and that is Derek Carr. And if uh, all the reports are correct, his former quarterback that took him to the Super Bowl, Rich Gannon, will end up being his quarterback coach. So now he has a better roster. For me, when you look at that that roster that eventually went to the Super Bowl, because those guys on that roster, they were in the twilight hour of their career. He's got some great talent on this Oakland Raiders roster, and all they need is a little fine-tuning here and there and a little more discipline. He's going to bring that, but also he brings with it it's kind of a culture. You know, Marshawn Lynch was signed because they needed someone to fire up the fan base. He, he was homegrown. But now if you couple Marshawn with the attitude of John Gruden, now we have something bigger on our hands because this team is moving to Las Vegas. You need to sell tickets, and you need someone to sell tickets. But for a contract, I, you know, I don't believe I've ever heard a coach receiving a contract, you know, a 10-year contract worth $100 million. You know, I know Jimbo Fisher got something like that 
something similar to that uh, with Texas A&M, but I've never heard of that in the NFL. But this is something that Mark Davis felt as though this is the move that the team really needs to make, but we have to wait to see if it really pans out because, you know, the fact of saying, well, part of the contract is uh, John, uh, John Gruden getting a little stake in the ownership. What happens if the team starts to underperform? Will he decide to fire himself, relieve himself of his duty, ask himself to take a pay cut? We don't know, but that's going to be very interesting. But this propels uh, the Oakland Raiders, you know, up into that, that spotlight where Al Davis made it famous. Even bad publicity is good publicity, so we have to see how this is going to pan out for the Raiders. And branding for this Raiders team, I, I think this is phenomenal as they move forward to Las Vegas, Nevada, because he's probably one of the most liked coach, liked coaches, uh, coach in Oakland Raiders history. But let's just look out through this this playoff, uh, this scenario here. We have the Saints playing against Carolina for the third time. Uh, a Buffalo, they come in, you know, kind of moonwalking into the playoffs with their backs turned in Jacksonville with Blake Bortles. And you know what's going on with Atlanta and also the L.A. Rams. And Kansas City and the Tennessee Titans. Uh, Tennessee not having DeMarco Murray. Give me one of the most intriguing games of the four. Well, for me, it is the Atlanta at uh, the Rams because uh, the, the reason that's the biggest story, and I feel that there's more pressure on Atlanta and Matt Ryan than it is on anyone else in the playoffs, and especially Sean McVay and, and Jared Goff, is because this is a team that is saying that at the beginning of the season they turned the page from the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl that was really historic because they just squandered a big lead with eight minutes and 33 seconds in the fourth quarter to the New England Patriots. So they're trying to put that in the past. And there's an immense amount of pressure because Matt Ryan over the past couple of weeks in the five-game breakdown, four touchdowns and four interceptions. That's not great for a guy a year ago that was the MVP of the league. So they have an uh, enormous amount of pressure on their shoulders because they come out and they lose to a young, unbecoming Ram team in Jerry Goff. Now we're saying, have we seen the changing of the guards and the NFC as a conference as a whole? So for, for me, that, that's the most intriguing game of the games this weekend that I definitely want to see, see if Sean McVay and this young team can actually elevate their game to the next level and take that next step. But so much pressure on Matt Ryan and Atlanta Falcons right now. Nick Ferguson, former NFL safety, is our guest. Brian Weber, Cordell Stewart with you. It's NFL No Huddle on the NFL on TuneIn. Nick, it's going to be a monumental challenge for the Titans to win on the road in Kansas City tomorrow. No DeMarco Murray, as was the case in the regular season finale, when they defeated the Jacksonville Jaguars. So when the Titans season ends, could be as soon as tomorrow night. Do you think Mike Malarkey is going to keep his coaching job in Tennessee? You know what, B-Web, that's hard to determine because it, what we've seen over the past couple of weeks, ownership changed their minds uh, as, as quickly as a donut box in a windstorm. So we really don't know. They can say, well, since Malarkey kind of backed into the playoffs, we, we were trying to get there as a Tennessee Titans organization, knowing as though we're on the cusp. So maybe keeping Malarkey and his coaching staff intact Maybe that may be something in 2018 we can move forward and help with the maturation process of Marcus Mariota, who at the beginning of the season rarely turned the ball over, but as of late, you know, he's been a turnover machine. So sometimes when, you know, a team may lose, there's always a knee-jerk reaction. We have to go and, you know, get rid of all the coaches and have a clean slate. But this is one of those situations where you got a good thing going. You have a quarterback who shows that he has the ability, but we need to keep the consistency with the coaching staff and make some personnel moves. So, you know, I don't believe that they're going to do it, but right now we never know, especially if we're talking about a very emotional ownership who's looking to make some changes and looking within the division. 
Nick, you you know, I had a question for you, uh, but you gave me a knee-jerk reaction. What is this donut in the what? What you... It's a donut box in a windstorm, you know? It's blowing, blowing all over the place. You have Ooh, no idea man, where you, it's you going. Brought, you, you, you really did a good one on that one uh, with me. Uh, uh, but uh, in all seriousness, let me get back on track because I did have a knee-jerk moment there. Um, yeah. The Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, you know, again, and, and I'm going to sar- sarcastically say it, but I'm going to be real serious with you two guys. You guys, of course, have been riding with the Jaguars over Brian T. said for the last 10 years. Uh, you, of course, last year. Yeah. Uh, but right now, they are. this is real life now. It, it's no more you know, wishful thinking because it's the worst team in the National Football League or in the AFC or in their division, however you want to preface it. But this team really is, I think, one of the scariest teams throughout these playoff games. And I think the only question mark you have is Blake Bortles, but he's proven that there's a stretch of games. Before these last two games, they end up losing where he threw five interceptions. He also gone three games. He won three games with throwing seven touchdowns and no interceptions, averaging 35 points a game. Does this team truly have an opportunity to win? It's like mystery meat. You put it in aluminum foil, you stick it in the back of the refrigerator, you come back two months later, you don't know what it is. Right, mm. that, that, that's the best way to describe Blake Bortles because, you know, like you said, week to week he, he's changed, and this team, you know, is well, and they win games and have an opportunity to win games when he's not turning the ball over. So for him, it's got to be ball security. If the throw isn't there, take the check down, throw it away, eat, take the sack, eat that down, live to play another down. But what you cannot do, you can't throw ill-advised throws. You can't really do that. And to me with Blake Borders, get him outside on the pocket. Do something a little different that other teams really haven't seen. You know, give him those easy throws. And you know that as a quarterback, you got to get out there and establish a rhythm. But to me, lean on your run game and play defense. And, yes, this team hasn't played well in this last two weeks. This is the game right now they need to elevate their level of play. And I'm sure Tom Coughlin and Doug Marone has emphasized the fact that we fought so long over the years to get to this point. Let's not be a one-and-done. Definitely, let's not do it against a Buffalo team as though you said they moonwalked their, them, them, themselves back into the playoffs after not seeing the playoffs since 1999. No Shady McCoy. And if he does play, notice, though, he has an ankle injury. I'm not saying that you intentionally go out there and injure anyone. I'm not saying that. But on the injury report, it is already telling he has a bad ankle. So when you're a defender, you're, offense, you're a defensive lineman, you might even just grab at his lower body, see if he can actually stand up, see if he can sustain that for 60 minutes. Because I know as a guy that's had an injury before with an ankle, it makes lateral movement really, really difficult. And Shady McCoy is one of those guys who really depend on lateral movement to be successful. So that, that's going to be interesting. But I'm still rolling with the Jags. I don't know about B-Webb, oh, yeah. but I'm, I'm still all in. rolling with the Jags. I'm all in. Because remember, I said five years ago, one of these years, I didn't say which year in particular, <laughs> one of these like that, years right? the Jaguars were going to the promised land. <laughs> and this is the, the, hey, this is the year. They're, they're, they're in the playoffs, but we have to see if they can carry it through. No turnovers by Blake Bortles. They have a chance. Nick, tremendous information as always. You are far sturdier than our new favorite metaphor, a donut box in a windstorm. Mm. What are you doing on Sunday? Do you want me to come over to your house and yell for seven hours and scare your kids? You got a whole day off, partner, after 17 weeks with me. What's going on with this guy? 17 weeks, pal. 17 weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Nick.
Enjoy your All weekend. Right, guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. It's a new year and time for you to explore new podcasts on TuneIn. What better way to celebrate the new year than taking a look back at the best podcasts of 2017? From news and politics to true crime, comedy, and history favorites, we've rounded up our favorites and there's something for everyone. Shows included Dirty John, S-Town, My Favorite Murder, Homecoming, Pod Save America. Start your new year with these podcasts and more. Just search podcasts on TuneIn today. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast, let's welcome in former Chiefs wide receiver Eddie Kennison. Eddie, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. How are you today? Oh, no worries, guys. I'm doing fantastic. How are you guys today? We are doing well, and we appreciate you coming on the NFL on TuneIn to talk about your old team. So let's start with the playoff atmosphere we can anticipate tomorrow. You played for five different teams, so you know the entire league. What are the Titans going to have to deal with tomorrow in Kansas City? How much of a home field advantage is there at Arrowhead? (laughs) Well, you know, whether it's a playoff game or a regular season game, and I'm sure Cordell, he, he, he's been he's played in Arrowhead before, brother. It is a college-like atmosphere. These fans in Kansas City, they're so loyal. They're the loudest, and I put emphasis on the loudest uh, fan base in the National Football League. Tennessee Titans, for players that have not played in Arrowhead in their career, they're getting ready for a, a rude awakening, brother, because these fans, they get loud. They enjoy football. Well, let me take that back. They love football. And then you got to deal with Andy Reid, Alex Smith, and the rest of the crew that's on the field on game day. Eddie, you mentioned, glad to have you on too, by the way, and it is the home of the Chiefs and not the Braves. Um, we're going to Arrowhead. <laughs> <laughs> um Give me your take on, on Alex Smith. I, I know, you know, you just mentioned some of their go-to players on the offensive side of the football, and that's what make the clock truly tick on that team is, is when those guys, the Travis Kelseys, the, the Tariq Hills, the Kareem Hunts, and most importantly, Alex Smith, when, they're, when he's playing really good, it's hard to beat this football team. How much confidence do you have in him having a chance to get back to the postseason? And now that they're in Arrowhead, with that advantage, do you think they have a real good chance of winning? Uh, uh, there's no question. Uh, I mean, you know, we're just we're one play last year, and I know that's the past from you know making it to the big dance. And you know, no one wants it more uh, than Alex Smith because you know Alex Alex he he's been through this this dance before. He likes the way it he likes the way the music plays. He, he, he enjoys being in the dance, and uh, and he deserves you know to to. To play in the in the in the, in the big game, and uh, but more importantly, you know tomorrow. And I know Alex; he wants to win tomorrow to continue to move on uh, and further into the playoffs. And you know, there's no one that I would rather have as a Chiefs quarterback right now than Alex Smith. He's playing fantastic football. He's been playing fantastic football. He's uh, I mean, he's at the top of his game, and I think Alex is 35 or 36 years old. Uh, and he's playing fantastic football. So I have the most confidence, the utmost confidence in Alex Smith to be able to go out and perform the way Alex Smith has always done. And I look forward to him having a big game tomorrow along with the rest of the guys uh, and, and 
come out of this thing with the victory and move on to next week. Eddie Kennison is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Eddie, you were an All-American sprinter at LSU, but are even you impressed by the speed of Tyreek uh, Tyre Hill? It seems like every time we see him, he's the fastest player on the field. I think Tyreek Hill may be the fastest human on the planet right now. And I tell you what, uh, you know, I was I was okay fast, you know, back in my day. You know, I was a I was a four two eight guy. You know, some people still say, Ah, oh, yeah, that's pretty fast. And then you have Tyreek Hill, who's like on on planet Krypton. I mean, this guy he's on a whole nother level. I mean, it's and I still get excited to watch him play football. I want him to throw uh, Tyreek the ball every single play for two reasons. One, he can make things happen and you never know what's going to happen. And the second thing is, I have him on my fantasy football team. Well, that's important. He is blazing fast and he has world-class speed. Uh, and there's no one in the National Football League that can run like this guy and make plays like this guy. Uh, I love seeing him play. Yeah, um, you think about how how well he plays and how fast he is. Arguably one of the faster players in the game, uh, just making plays like it's it make he makes it look almost too easy. Let's just say that. But this defense, early in the year, they were known for being able to to create turnovers, create good field position, and sometimes get close to taking it back to the house. They hadn't really been able to do that as of lately. What do you think it's going to take, considering they don't have Eric Berry in, because obviously the season-ending injury, what do you think it's going to take for this defense to step it up and help out? Because you know the Tennessee Titans are going to run the football. Right. And, uh, you know, uh, it's it's going to take all 11 guys, all cylinders, playing on the same page in that book tomorrow. Um, and, you know, guys, they have to get to the football. We have to have 11 guys tackling the football on defense. We know that's that's very easily said, but we have to have 11 guys pursuing the football. And not only trying to strip the ball, we have to make tackles. Uh, I see a lot of guys, you know, over the last couple weeks trying to make shoulder pad tackles, and that's not going to get it done. We need to wrap up, hold the guy up, and the other 10 guys come up and try to strip the ball up while they're tackling. That's the first thing we have to do, just tackle. 11 guys on the ball, tackling, and then trying to strip it. Talking Chiefs with Eddie Kennison. Eddie, where do you think running back Kareem Hunt is heading into the postseason? Seemed like he hit the rookie wall, then bounced back and wound up being the number one rusher in all of football. (laughs) You know, I think all of us hit a a rookie wall, uh, you know, coming out of college. And, you know, Andy Reid... And, you know, the, the training staff, these, these guys are super intelligent. And uh, I think they understood and understand, you know, that uh, uh, whatever their uh, regiment was to get him healthy, get his legs back, to break out of that rookie wall. You know, I think, uh, I think the training staff and Andrew did a great job, whether it's a little bit of practice or whatever else they did. But I think Kareem Hunt, uh, the last couple of weeks, he's, has, he's shown uh, his getting his strength back to be able to run the football, and uh, I'm excited to see him, you know, playing his first playoff game because I know he's super excited. You know, I know he's heard the stories about last year, and I know he want to be the guy that uh, helped this football team win uh, their first playoff game for the 2018 season, and I'm looking forward to seeing him play. Eddie, I, you know, we all know in Seattle they have the 12th man when it comes down to how they. 
like to portray themselves being when you come into their new facility, into their stadium. But you guys are somewhat the same, probably even more. I mean, the meter just jumps off the chart when they play. How the, how's the fans knowing that how tough the season has been when it's gone up? It was great. And now all of a sudden had that lull and losing a lot of games. And then all of a sudden they finished strong. Is the fans really enthused, are the fans really enthusiastic about this opportunity for their team? I would say Cordell, yes, because uh, even when you know the, the ball club was having the, the mid-season low points, those you know five or six losses that they had, we still had our fans pack Arrowhead Stadium. That's how passionate they are. They understand uh, the wins. They they feel for when the team loses because it's like they're losing as well. But they have to come back to support their guys on the field because our fans feel like they're playing. They feel like they feel like they're on the field uh, taking the hits and all. So they are emotionally and physically in ways tied to the game, just like the guys are that are playing uh, on the field. And our fans are not afraid to show up, brother. Good, bad, or indifferent. Arrowhead, Chiefs, Kingdom, brother, they show up, and I think they will always show up as long as the Kansas City Chiefs are here in, in Kansas City. Finally, Eddie, how have you gone from being a wide receiver to a wine receiver? Tell us how you got involved <laughs> in the wine business after football. Uh, well, I, I actually I started my wine business before I was done playing. Uh, my wine business was started in 2003. And, um, you know, I've been doing uh, wine ever since, brother. And when I retired, I jumped into uh, my business full time. Um, And, you know, we get an opportunity to uh, travel the world and taste wines from all around the world and meet some very interesting uh, uh, people around the world. And uh, I get to come back and and share those experiences with my club members uh, every single month that we deliver different wines from all over the world uh, to their doorstep. So it's been a, a really, really fun journey. I get to drink wine now for a living. That's uh, what. What else is better other than you guys being on radio? Well, thank you. Yeah. Other than that, <laughs> yeah. But you know, other than that, brother, it's you know, uh, my company name is Barrel Eighty Seven. It is a fantastic opportunity for me just to sit back and enjoy life and enjoy wine, brother. So thanks for asking. Sure. Do you need an intern, Eddie? That sounds like the greatest job in the world. I'd love to come and <laughs> share my services with you. Absolutely, brother. You you guys come down anytime you want to. I have plenty of wine. It's the the cellar is always stocked. So and I'm always willing to share. You guys are like my teammates, man. That's just where it happens. I love oh, it. Man. Now Cordell man. only drinks the good stuff, Eddie. So watch out. I'm easy, but Cordell might cost you a lot of money when hey, K2 check it rolls out. in. A Behringer Private Reserve, 1997. What do you think about that? Wow, my man. I, I tell you what. 1997 was a fantastic year for all wine coming out of California. I mean, just worldwide, but specifically California. 97 was fantastic. Yes, it was. Yeah, if you have any of those 97s sitting around and and you want to get rid of them, I I love them. (laughs) (laughs) I'll try to get some off of you, E. (laughs) Addy, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Enjoy the game tomorrow. Hey, thank you guys for having me on. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. Tune in your everything audio app.